Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Everybody brought your Bibles? How about if we together find the book of Proverbs chapter 4? And we want to read verse 23. That's where we're going to start anyhow. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Our Father, we thank you for your word that has life, and we thank you that the essence of your life is transmitted unto our spirits through your word. And so we set ourselves to receive. We thank you for your spirit who will enlighten us. We thank you, our Father, for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds. And we thank you that every hindering influence is bound in the name of Jesus as we now channel ourselves to receive from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning our lesson is preparing to be healed, number two. I taught someone on this Wednesday evening, but you see, the Spirit of God has been dealing with my heart about preparation. And so, I wanted to give all this week over to preparing us to receive. Now, I stated before that this doesn't just mean receiving to be healed only. For the principles that I'm about to share with you will also help us receive in any area, in every area of need. But you see, t too often, I believe some of us think that, well, they're having a special healing service, so just go on down there on that night and you'll get healed. But you see, prayer, prayer alone does not heal. One day, Jesus was up on the mountain with James, Peter, and John. And a fellow came bringing his son to the disciples, and the disciples could not deliver his child from demon possession. 
And when Jesus came down from the mountain, the fellow went over to him and said, Lord, my son's possessed of a devil. The devil tried to kill him, burn him up, throw him in the fire, drown him in the sea. But your disciples couldn't do anything. See, prayer, they prayed for him, but prayer alone is not enough. And Jesus said, well, bring him unto me. And they brought him unto Jesus. And Jesus had a very good conversation with that fellow. Because, you see, he said, now, Lord, if thou canst do anything, Lord, if thou canst do anything, see, Lord, if you could do something, Lord, if you could do something, Lord, if you could do something, or if it was that easy, dear Lord, we'd all have it made. No, Jesus turned back to him and said, No, he said, If thou canst believe. All things are possible unto who? Unto him that believes. See, he didn't say, If I can do something for you. He said, If thou canst believe. Well, you know the story Jesus delivered his son. For the fellow said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And Jesus cast the devil out of his son, and he was in his right mind, and restored to health and, and soundness. And the disciples turned on him and said, Run our Lord, why couldn't we cast out that devil? He said, Because of your unbelief. See, unbelief on the part of the individual who's coming to receive, and unbelief, even on the part of the person that's doing the ministry can hinder the work of God. It can stop the flow of power. And, and, and that's why I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has spoken to my heart and said, I want you to, to, to do more teaching along the lines of preparation. Because, you see, a major reason why many fail to receive their healing or anything else. Now, let's just not use healing. I'm just using it because tonight's our healing service. But one major reason why many fail to either receive their healing or to keep their healing is because they do not prepare themselves. See, they do not prepare. And it could be that they just don't know how to prepare themselves. That's why he wants us to teach. See, I have to prepare... If you're involved in ministry, if you're involved in, in witnessing to people to be born again, if you're involved in helping people by going down to, the, to the, um, some of the homes where the elderly are and, and going in there and ministering unto them, all the time that you spend in preparation, no matter how many results you got, if you didn't prepare... If you're to spend more time in preparation, you can do more. You can always do more. So you see, it's, it's, it's preparing on, this, on the part of the individual who's doing the ministry, and it's preparation on the part of the individual who's doing the receiving. So if we're just going to come and just say, well, they're praying for the sick, let's just go on there and hope something will happen to us. Well, see, that's not the right attitude. That's not the right way to come. I left off last Wednesday by saying when you come 
to be prayed for, the Bible says, come to the throne of grace. You know who's sitting on that throne of grace? You know, faith is an act, isn't it? Faith is an act. Well, if faith is an act, that means we're all actors and actresses. And for actors and actresses, I know that they have to prepare themselves before they go to perform. Well, I don't know about you, but if you was involved in, in, in that business and uh, you wanted to get yourself in, in, in to the big time and you had an opportunity to go and audition for somebody who you really admired, somebody who was already in the field and somebody who you knew could help you get in, wouldn't you do your best to prepare and be your best and prepare to be your best when you go there to, to audition for that individual? You'd make sure everything was in order. You'd make sure everything was all set. And you'd prepare and prepare and prepare until now I'm ready. I'm ready. I've got this down perfect. I'm ready to go. And when you get there, you see that great big movie star, whoever your favorite movie star is. I hope it's Jesus. Hallelujah. And you probably get nervous right off the bat. Take a little time to get the butterflies out. But then you see, then you then you calm down and get ready. And you say, well, I'm in the presence of so-and-so. Can you imagine that? I'm in the presence of so-and-so. Maybe you're, you're going to perform for Sandy Patty. You want to get into Christian music. You've heard her sing. You know how good she is. You know the talent that she has and the anointing upon her life in ministry. Glory to God. And there you are. You're walking in there and you're about ready to perform. When you walk up to this altar to be prayed for, you'll not be preparing to meet Sandy Patty. Would to God we could understand this. You are walking up to the throne of God where the Father is seated with Jesus at his right hand. And for the life of it, I don't know why it is. Many of us just think, well, we might as just go play a few rounds of golf this afternoon and, and uh, we might as just go and, uh, you know, nothing against golf. We might as well go and then maybe have a bite to eat and, and then maybe we'll just take a ride on that hand and do this and do that and do this and do the other thing. And then, uh, you know, we'll go visit so-and-so. Then we'll, we'll do this here. And then, oh, I need about 20 minutes to get ready for church and get ready for church and run in and say, well, what's going on? Well, I just want to get praying for I'm, I'm You know, I need to be healed. Beloved, you won't get anything from God like that. I'm going to say that again. When you come to this altar, you're coming... To meet the Father on His throne with Jesus at His right hand. You're not coming to see me pray for you or whoever else will let to have pray for the people. This is very personal. It's between you and your Father. It's intimacy between you and your Father. It's not going to be all my part where, you know, I know my part has a lot to play and I have to prepare. I have to prepare just as much and more so than you do. See? Because the things of God are holy. The healing power of God is holy.
the, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, Holy Ghost, the Holy Father, the Holy Son of God. Beloved, you should be more excited about meeting Jesus on the throne and the Father and His the Father and Jesus at His right hand than you are auditioning for Sandy Patty. And you should be such a good actor or actress that you start to just prepare yourself in advance more than just on today. You should have been preparing all week. But but you see, today you just you just know it's it's, it's getting close. It's getting close. Oh, hallelujah! The time is coming. It's getting short. I'm going to meet Father. Hallelujah! I'm going to meet Father on the throne. I'm going to be. There, right there in front of Jesus. Glory to God. Where are you going tonight? Someone calls you on the phone and says, Well, I can't, you know, I, I'm going to go see Jesus. I'm going to go see the Father. I'm going to go to the throne of God. Hallelujah. Well, come on, play uh, some golf for me. Well, I'd like to, and I will some other time, but not today. Glory be to God. I'm gonna, I've got to prepare. I've got to get ready. I'm going to see my Father. I'm going to see Jesus. Hallelujah. And they're real. Glory to God. And when I get there, hallelujah, they'll be waiting for me with open arms, loving me so much. They'll love Just come out on me. Hallelujah. They're going to heal my body. That's where I'm going tonight. Glory be to God. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? It may not be healing you need. It may be helping your marriage. It may be uh, your mind needs to be set free. It may be your finances have been bogged up by the devil. And you just say, well, I just need to... Oh, I just... Now, see, if we come with the attitude like I'm going to come tonight with the attitude, well, I really hope something happens. No. No. See, even the medical science field, medical doctors know the value of preparing the human body before they perform a surgery, a surgical operation, don't they? They know the value of that. You say, but, but I'm a Christian, I should already be prepared. No, no, no. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're prepared. Well, you're a human. Does that mean your body's prepared? No. If it was, then the doctor would have to keep you there for a week and prepare you. Just because you're a human, see? Well, you're a Christian, but your spirit needs to be prepared. My spirit needs to be prepared. See, there comes a time where we set aside the things of the world. I know we're living in the world, and that's why a lot of that world contaminates us. But if you really want something special from God, you need something from God. See, there comes a time, this, and this is a time that we set aside. We set these things aside. We have one objective. And that is to prepare our spirit, to prepare our heart, to prepare ourselves within for that beautiful operation we're going to have tonight. See, divine healing is an operation. Divine healing is an operation. It's the operation of faith and power. That's what it is. It's an operation of faith and power. And unless we prepare ourselves spiritually then spiritually will not be up to the operation. Unless that body is prepared physically, then that body will not be up to the operation. You know, even when you talk about uh, medicine, the body must cooperate with the, with the medicine before that medicine could be of any value to that individual. I remember one time, this is before I got saved, I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I always used to get the flu two or three times a year. And I'd get it so bad, it would knock me off my feet for about two weeks. I couldn't talk. I couldn't eat. Swollen glands. Everything you can could, you could imagine. Aches and pains and every place in your body that you didn't know you had muscles. 
And I'd just be there lying on the couch or on the bed and just couldn't move. I mean, you ever hear that expression, sicker than a dog? I was just laid out for two weeks. So, you know, my dad wasn't much in doctors. He didn't believe much in doctors. Even back then, wasn't even saved, but he just didn't believe much. And I don't know why. He just didn't, you know. I guess because my grandfather, which is his father, was that way. He felt he could always do it better for some reason. He got his own medical book, and actually, he had some great results. <laughs> he, did, he, he did some things. As a matter of fact, one time, I remember he was telling me that, that this one lady had to have her foot amputated, the doctor said, because of this certain thing that she had growth on her foot. And you know what he did? He performed the operation himself. Instead of taking off her foot, he just went to that thing, got a hold of it, cut it up, drained it out. She went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, I don't understand it. I was ready to take off your foot. Looks like you're already healed. And she is healed. She's well. Thank God for that. See? He took the initiative to do that. I'd rather lose that, just get a little pain than lose a foot, wouldn't you? But that doctor ready to take off his foot. Her foot. Well, there I was, getting sick, didn't know what to do. What am I going to do? So, I, I go see the doctor. He gives me penicillin pills. I start taking these things. You talk about a reaction. My body began to swell up. Rash broke out all over my body. I mean to tell you, I didn't know what was happening inside me. My ankles began to swell up, couldn't put my shoes on. Itch all over. What's going on? This, he's supposed to give me something supposed to help me. I thought I was dying. Little did I know I was. I thought I'd taken more of that penicillin. See, if your body does not cooperate with the medicine, that medicine will be of little value won't be of any value, and you better watch out, because you keep taking that stuff, it'll kill you. Now, we can understand that language, can't we? We can understand that. So, you see, i never taken penicillin ever again. No. Never done that. Because I knew that if I took that, my body does not cooperate with that prescribed medicine to affect the healing and cure, to prevent it, you know, that flu, or, or to combat that flu. So you see, I had enough sense, even though I was an educator, I had enough sense that I'm not taking that ever again. Well, see, the same thing is true with our spirit. Divine healing is the operation of the power of God. It involves cooperation between the spirit of man and the spirit of God. If there's no cooperation between the spirit of God and the spirit of man, if the man's spirit is not in a condition that's conducive to the flow of divine healing power, then the power of God, the healing power of God that is to be transmitted to that body will never find its way clear so that that body can be healed. See, it's just not going to work that way. Now, that I can understand. I can see clearly that if there's no preparation of the human spirit on the part of the believer, well, then the power of God that flows... And it flows from the spirit of the man, the individual, through the soul to the body. It's never going to happen. And unless we prepare ourselves, we're not going to get the results that we want to have. But if we learn how to prepare our spirit, 
and if we cooperate with the Spirit of God. Now, how many of you know that the Spirit of God doesn't need any preparation? He doesn't. No, God's Spirit doesn't need any preparation, but our Spirit does. Our Spirit needs to be prepared to allow the healing power of God flow from our spirit to our soul and finally affect a healing and a cure in our bodies. Well, this is the reason why I want to share some thoughts beginning here in Proverbs 4 concerning the preparation of our spirit to be healed. The preparation of our spirit. I believe these truths will help us They'll bless us, they'll enlighten us, and they'll prepare us for the flow of God's power in not only the area of healing, but in every area of life. Before we look at that one scripture one more time, let me just give to you this important truth. When it comes to the subject of divine healing, there isn't any minister or any lay person or individual that's going to minister healing to anybody in the body of Christ or in the world apart from the way that Jesus did. Jesus ministered healing three different ways. See, we need to be students of divine healing. We need to search out the scriptures and find out what the scriptures say. Because you've got to help our faith. Faith is a product of knowledge. Well, if Jesus only healed three ways, then if we're coming for healing, we're going to get healed one of these three ways. Isn't that correct? Well, number one, Jesus healed, and this is the primary way he healed. Number one, the primary way Jesus healed a person's body is through the individual's own faith. That is the primary and the number one way. Once again, the primary, the number one way of someone being healed by the power of God through divine intervention apart from any aid from mankind. And again, when we speak of divine healing, we're not speaking of the medical profession. When we speak of divine healing, we're not speaking of Christian science. And metaphysical mind science religions, when we speak of divine healing, we are speaking of the power of God alone. Divine healing. Healing through supernatural means. Amen. So Jesus, number one, healed people primarily through their own faith. The woman with the issue of blood for 12 years was nothing better but rather do worse but when she heard of Jesus she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I but touch his clothes I will be whole in verse 34 of Mark 5 Jesus said daughter thy faith hath made thee whole go in peace and behold thy plague how'd she get healed? whose faith? whose faith? her faith and 12 out of 19 cases of personal testimony in the Gospels, 12 of 19, that's the majority, primarily, see that's why it's primary, 12 of 19 cases got healed on their own faith, their own individual faith. Number two, the next way, 
Jesus healed by the anointing. Jesus healed by the anointing. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. In other words, there was a flow of power. There was an anointing that flowed out of him or from him. And that anointing entering into the individual's body got that person healed. Now listen. The first way takes faith from the believer. The second way also, even with the anointing, still demanded faith of the individual. And just to give you an example of that, like in John's Gospel, when the fellow was born blind, Jesus reached down, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes. That anointing is a type of the anointing to heal, or the healing anointing. And that healing anointing was there upon that person's eyes at the time of prayer. When Jesus laid his hands upon his eyes and anointed him, that was symbolic of the anointing coming on him, coming on his eyes. Now, many times we often wonder, but we don't pray long enough to find out. I've asked myself this question many times. I said, now, Lord, why didn't his eyes open right then? Why not right then? You're the Son of God. He came to you. You, you made clay of the spittle. You anointed him, and the anointing was on him. His eyes had the clay on him. And why didn't his eyes open right then? And I saw it. He says, I wanted to show to you this is, this is another method. That it's not always just the anointing. Notice that even after he was anointed. See, some people say, well, you get healed instantly all the time if Jesus heals. And that's not true. That fellow wasn't healed instantly. That fellow had a mission to fulfill. He had to go, Jesus said, and wash in the pool of Siloam. You know what that means? The anointing was on him. So you can come here tonight, have hands laid on you, and the anointing come on you. And get up and not have the manifestation of your spirit, of your healing. So what do you do? Do you walk off inside and get healed? No, you be like this fellow. You go to the pool and wash. Begin to wash in the water of the Word and praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there's something you all, we have to do. That demands faith. So in other words, even though the anointing came on us and we didn't get it instantaneously, we don't stop praising God. We walk away and say, Hallelujah, glory to God. See, people say, why does confession work? That's why confession works. Glory to God. You start washing. You mix your faith with that anointing power. You mix your faith by glorifying God. You should never stop thanking and praising and blessing God once you've had prayer. Once you know the anointing came on you, you continue to bless Him until what? Until the manifestation comes. Do you see that? And there's where many miss it. See, they don't, they don't prepare themselves and they don't know that. So they get up, power of God comes on them, they might fall on the floor. And the power of God is actually on them. And then they walk away for about ten minutes and say, thank you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord. Then all of a sudden, oh, well, looks like I didn't really get it. But no, see, that's not it. That's not it. Do you know when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison? Their feet were fast in stocks, their backs were bleeding. They were whipped, they were beaten, they were facing death. They were cast into the inner prison. The, the, the guard received such a charge as to watch over them. They were afflicted. They were in a state of distress. They were at the midnight hour crisis in their life. 
And the first thing that they did was prayed. Hallelujah, they prayed. First thing we're going to do when you come here tonight after we worship the Lord is to pray for your healing. And we're going to lay hands and pray. Well, they prayed. But after they prayed, the Bible said, then they sang praises unto God. Their backs were still bleeding. They were in the inner prison. Their feet were, were still fast in the stocks. Bless God. And they were still there at midnight hour in the darkness and distress of their life, facing the death sentence. They didn't complain and gripe. Glory to God. They prayed first. And then after prayer, they began to sing praises. Singing praises brings the manifest presence of God in your midst. The Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. I want you to know, when did their deliverance come? When they were praying? No. Bless God, it came when they were praising. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord Almighty, whom we serve, whose we are. Hallelujah is what they did in that jail. I mean, they said it so loud that, the, that everybody heard them that was there. I mean, even the, the keeper, he, he heard them. And the Bible says, as they were thanking and praising God, when did their answer come? When they were thanking and praising God, then the power of God came down. The earth began to quake. The, the chains were broken. Bless God, and everybody's bands were loose and they were set free. When did the power come? When did the manifestation come? When they praised. After you're prayed for tonight, how long can you praise? How loud can you shout? See, the Bible says God inhabits the what? That means that He's there. That means as long as you're praising, you're keeping the manifest presence of God on your body. But the moment you walk away and say, I didn't get anything, looks like God didn't hear me, well, you might as well forget it right there because you won't get any further than that. We're actors and actresses. Do you see that? So that means that once prayer is, has been made, it's time to praise. Glory to God. Isn't that what Paul said in Philippians 4, 6? But be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? With what? Hallelujah. With what? With giving thanks unto God. That's exactly what they did. They prayed and gave thanks unto God. They prayed and gave thanks unto God. And when was the power of God manifest? See, the power of God was always present right there with Paul and Silas. But I said, when was the power manifest? There's a difference between it being there and manifesting. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but none of them got healed. But the power was present. But when was the power manifest? And when did the power do the healing? Hallelujah. When somebody came with faith and began to glorify the God of Israel. That's when, you see, the results come. Oh, if we could just learn that blessed truth. If we could just learn that blessed truth. Once you've been prayed for, glory be to God, what's, what's the time to do? And how long will you bless them? How long will you bless them? Until the manifestation comes and then you, of, of course, you'll go on blessing Him. But you see, so many want to see the manifestation before they bless Him. But you see, it don't work that way. I said it don't work that way. He wants you to bless Him before you see the manifestation. And while you're blessing Him, don't say, I'm waiting for a manifestation. He don't want to hear that. Because you're supposed to believe you receive it when? When you pray. Let me give you an example, like a little testimony. We'll, we'll get to this in a minute. A little testimony. This one fellow lived for three years out of fellowship with the Father. And, I mean, he was in every kind of sin. You know, carousing, drunkenness, and, and uh, just, just terrible things. Doing everything that was terrible that he shouldn't be doing. He knew it. And for three years of his life, he turned his back on the Lord. Walked away from the Lord. Didn't want anything to do with the Bible. Didn't want anything to do with church. Didn't want anything to do with the things of God. Walked away. Began carousing, you know having affairs and drinking and everything you could possibly think of. He was just getting himself in it. 
and he, he just he was running away from God. Well, he came to church service one night and he said, I, I, I've sinned, I've walked away from God, I've turned my back on the Lord, I've got involved in sin for three years, the guilt, the condemnation, all, it was just heaped on him. And he said, 1 John 1, 9 says, If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So he knelt down, he confessed his sins. He said, Father, take me back. Restore my salvation, my, my, my fellowship with you. Receive me unto yourself like the prodigal son of old. And he got done praying. And he got up and he walked back, sat down. Preacher dismissed the service. And he said, some of the deacon board members walked up to him and, he, and they said to him, Well, do you feel any better? He said, No. He said, you don't? No. Well, if you don't feel any better, then it looks like you didn't get anything from God. He said, well, if, if God don't lie, if the Bible's true, I still feel guilty. I still feel condemnation. I still have the memories of my sin. But I knelt down at that altar, Sunday night it was, and I prayed, and I believed God. I confessed my sin. I did my part. I believe God did His part. And the deacon board people said, well, if you didn't feel anything, you don't got anything. So this fellow comes to the next service, on the Wednesday night service, he begins to testify. And he says, I just want to testify tonight. Stands up. He says, last Sunday night I came to the altar. I prayed. I asked God to restore my fellowship. He took me back. Hallelujah. I'm his child. I bless him for it. Glory be to God. I'm just so happy that he took me back. Deacon board member got him at the end of the service again. He said, you feeling better now? He said, no. He said, you still feel the same you did when you prayed Sunday? Yeah. You didn't get anything yet. Now, God didn't do anything for you. He said, well, dear Lord, he says, the Bible said it, and I believe it by Sunday night. He says, I, I, I believe. I believe as far as I'm concerned. These deacon board people are trying to talk this guy to being renewed in his fellowship with God. Because he didn't feel any better. It's just like your healing. If you don't feel any better when you're prayed for, that's no alarm. That doesn't mean you didn't receive anything. So this goes on for a period of ten days. Every day, morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night, praise you, Father, for taking me back. I'm your child. Hallelujah. He just kept on praising God. Didn't feel any better. Didn't feel one ounce better. His feelings didn't tell him anything different. He just kept on praising God. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm so glad your mercy endures forever. I'm so glad that you're kind and you're loving and your word is true. I thank you for your faithfulness to your word. Not my feelings, but to your word. Hallelujah. He did this for the space of ten days. And then came Wednesday night again. He's about to give his testimony again. That Wednesday night, he knew that. See? Because Wednesday night, they had testimony service. Well, he was at work that morning. Now, mind you, he didn't feel anything for ten days. He just was going on the bare word of God. Oh, am I glad we could stand on God's bare word. Hallelujah. No feeling. But I want you to know he praised his way. Ten days, praise, morning, noon, and night, morning, noon, and night, going to bed, getting up, going to bed, on the job, praising God, praising God, praising God, praising God pray, feeling nothing, praising God, praising God. I mean, he's getting wild about it. He's getting excited about it. Well, that day he went to work on that Wednesday, that tenth day, and he's over there at work, and him and another fellow's working together, and, you know, they're picking up some heavy equipment, 
and the one fellow who's walking with him picks up his side of the heavy equipment. He picks it up in the air. When all of a sudden, the other fellow bend, bend down to get his side, the one who, who asked the Lord to forgive him. All of a sudden, he let out a holler, Glory be to God! Hallelujah! Just like that. Shouted at the top of his lungs. The guy dropped the other end. He said, God scared me out of my wits. He said, what in the world are you shouting about? He said, I want you to know. He said, ten days ago I got on my knees at the altar and I asked God to forgive me and I've been praising Him ever since. But as I was right over there ready to pick that up, he said, it seemed like a, a, someone poured a bucket of molasses on me. It came down out of heaven. It touched me on my head. It went right onto my body. He says, and I had to shout, glory be to God. Hallelujah. He loves me. Hallelujah. And he began to do a shout and a dance right there. Came to church that night. He told all the people. He said, glory be to God. Hallelujah. I want to be the first to testify. He is on fire. He gave his testimony. Finally, the fellow from the deacon board came and said, well, it's about time you finally got it. He said to that fellow, there's something wrong with you? I got it ten days ago. What brought the manifest presence of God? What brought it out here in the natural? What got it out here in the realm of feeling? It wasn't, you see, because of prayer. The prayer did it in the Spirit. The prayer did it. He received it. But bless God by His praise and worship and praise and worship and thanksgiving unto God. Hallelujah. Everything by prayer and supplication with what? With the, He didn't stop thanking until He had manifested victory all the way. Every part of His body sensed and felt the divine presence of God, taking Him in the warmth of His love. See, see, beloved, it's the same thing with healing. If you want to get it manifest in our bodies, it starts in the spirit. I said it starts in the spirit. So to get it over there through the body, you see, it's got to come by way of the soul. There's a flow of power. It starts in the spirit. That's when you receive it at prayer. But it flows. The anointing flows. And what keeps it flowing at great charge? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and praise and worship and thanksgiving and praise and worship. So powerful, make the earth quake. Cause everybody's bands to be loosed. What did that Thanksgiving? See, prayer, like the colors of a spectrum. We can separate those colors for just, you know, just to, just to examine them. We can separate them for analysis. But when that light is refracted from that prism, prism, and you see them colors of light arrayed, such beautiful colors of a, you know, prism, and the spectrum. And you see those lights flowing together, those different colors, beautiful colors of light. Each one, although they may be distinct, they are not separable. It starts with this color and flows right through every color. You remove one, you're going you're to dis disrupt the spectrum of color. Prayer is the same way. Everything, be careful for nothing. That's a prayer of commitment. But in everything by prayer, that's worship and making the power of God available. And supplication, ask the Father for what you want. Let it flow. Hallelujah. With thanksgiving, glory be to God. That's the next color in the spectrum. With thanksgiving, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You keep the power flowing, just like them colors. And you heard about that golden pot at the end of the rainbow? Hallelujah. That's your manifest presence of healing. Or your deliverance, whatever you ask God for. Well, number one, we better get into this, huh? Number one. Hallelujah. Proverbs 4, 23. Glory to God. Don't mind me, I'm excited. Keep thy heart 
with all diligence. First thing to realize in the preparation of our spirit is to keep our heart with all diligence. That means protect your spirit with all diligence. Why? Out of it flow the issues of life. Healing, divine healing, is an issue of life, not death. Sickness and disease is an issue of what? Death. Sickness is incipient death. But you see, healing and health, they come from the issues of life. That means that my spirit and your spirit can be contaminated by diseases of the spirit, and unless we learn to protect our spirit, then our spirit is going to be held in bondage, and the issues of life will not be able to flow out of our spirit. Healing is going to come through your spirit. Healing is going to flow out of your spirit. The power of God is released or diffused inside your spirit. There's where you're going to receive your healing. If you don't receive it in your spirit, you'll never get it in your body. But if you receive it in your spirit, and then allow it to flow, it will eventually find its way into your what? Body. So protect your spirit with all diligence, for out of it flow the uses of life. Now, that just doesn't mean for healing. It also means for every other thing that we need from God. We need to protect our spirit. Well, uh, just very quickly, because we want to get through these things, find Isaiah chapter 58. And this will help us see some things. See, the human spirit absorbs whatever is fed into it. And unless we protect it from the contaminating influences that are surrounding us, our spirit could be contaminated by fear, doubt, worry, unbelief, bitterness, unforgiveness, lack of knowledge. All those things that I'm mentioning are diseases of the Spirit. Fear, doubt, worry. Someone told you that your condition is terminal and incurable. Fear immediately came your way. Unless we know how to deal with that fear, that fear will be a destructive force of death contaminating our spirit. It will stop the power flow of life from finding its way to our bodies. So we must protect our spirit from fear. Peter began to walk out on the water. He was walking by faith. He saw the waves and the wind boisterous, and all of a sudden he began to be afraid, and fear caused him to doubt. And when he began to doubt, he began to sink. He began to waver. His spirit was not protected from fear and doubt. He saw, he heard. What he heard and what he saw affected his spirit. Oh, that's so rich. What he heard and what he saw affected his spirit. He was walking out on the water. He's walking out on the waves. I mean, this fellow was doing what Jesus was doing. Can you imagine that? But all of a sudden, he's what he saw and what he heard. See, faith can begin to work. But the devil will begin to work when faith begins to work. Because when your faith antenna goes up, he sees it in the realm of the Spirit and says, let's get a hold of that fella, because if they continue that way, they're going to get delivered. And we don't want them to get delivered. 
See, he's got his job to do, and we've done ours. Bless God. And God's doing his. He's already done that for us. So what's left for me to do is to protect my heart from fear. Protect my heart from the worry. Protect my spirit from doubt. Protect my spirit from those contaminating influences of death that would endeavor to stop the faith of God that's causing the divine power of healing to flow out of my spirit to get a hold of my body and make it whole again. Here in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness and undo the heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke? Is it not to do thy bread to the hungry that you bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked that you cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Underline that last expression. One reason for fasting is that you don't hide yourself from your own flesh. I believe we could use that as a law of double reference. You could help the needy, but also so that you don't hide your spirit from your flesh. You light that candle of your spirit, but it's hid under a bushel. That bushel is your flesh, my flesh. And when you get into the presence of the Father through fasting and prayer, and fasting not like people say, not, not 30 days, fasting and prayer could just be missing one meal. And all you're doing is just staying in His presence for a period of time to absorb the goodness of His love. I want you to know, beloved, that, that what's going to get you healed tonight is the fact that the Father loves you. What's going to get you delivered in every area of life is the fact that the Father's love is being outpoured unto all of us. But you see, all these influences that are around us try to keep us from remembering that. So what we're going to do is separate ourselves and stay in Father's presence and have a right attitude and motive of heart for setting ourselves in His presence. And when our spirit is in tune with His spirit, when we have the spirit of giving, the spirit of loving, the spirit of helping, undoing heavy burdens, binding up the, letting go of the oppressed, let them go free, liberating the captives, when we have that motivating force inside of our heart, look at the next verse. Then... Everybody say, then. Then shall your light break forth as the morning. Light is an issue of life. Light is an issue of life. Light comes out of our spirit. Our spirits have been enlightened or lit with the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. But it's in our spirit. So a time of separating ourselves from the Father for the purpose of prayer and fasting will cause, for the right reason, will cause our spirit to allow the issues of life or the light to break forth as the morning. Break out of your spirit as the morning. And look at the next part of that. And thine health shall spring forth. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit that they which believe on him should receive. You shall have in you a, a river of, a, a well of life springing up. Springing up. Remember Jesus told that to the woman at Samaria at the well? He said to her, If you'd ask of me, I'd give you to drink a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. See, the issue of life is in our spirit. 
But we, because of these contaminating influences, without separating ourselves into the Lord, we can stop that from springing up, stop that from flowing. Unforgiveness, bitterness, all kind of things can stop that from happening. But when we separate ourselves into the Lord, when we prepare ourselves in our spirits and our hearts with the right intent and purpose, then thy light shall break forth. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And then, can you imagine that? Darkness. Here's the picture. Darkness. But the light breaks forth as the morning. Hallelujah. The light breaks forth as the morning. Thine help shall spring forth speedily. Go on and see what he says. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. And the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. See, here's a part of preparation. And all I'm going to do is recommend to you this afternoon. Maybe take yourself a light little lunch, if you have to. The human body has to have food. But see, pass up that evening supper. And don't do it just because I'm saying to do it. I'm just helping. I'm just showing you what I would do if, if I was coming to be healed. And what I do to, in preparation for healing to flow through, you know, me and anybody should who's ever going to be ministering healing anybody. Something very light. And spend the rest of the afternoon in Father's presence. Just waiting on him. Some of you might say, well, I don't have need to be healed. Hold on just for a minute. Hold on just for a minute. Did you notice he said, this is the fast that I have chosen? Back there in verse 6. To deal thy bread to the hungry and to clothe the needy. That you break the bands of wickedness. Didn't he say that? That you let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is that what he said? Maybe you don't have any to healing tonight. But do you know if you'll separate yourself this afternoon and just do it for somebody else? He said, then shall thy light break forth this morning. He said, then shall thy health. If you're already healthy, can you imagine how much healthier you'll be? Spring forth speedily. If we'll get involved in doing it for other people, he says, you'll be blessed by it. You give it, it shall be given unto you. You see what he's saying here? Too often we're just so narrow-minded, we just think about ourselves, us four no more, and that's all. But see, he doesn't want that. Do it for somebody else. Do it for somebody else, and then thy light shall break forth as the morning. So just very quickly, just to say that you can condition your spirit and it's not food. Listen to me. It's not the food that makes your spirit ready. It has nothing to do with it. The thing that makes your spirits ready is because you abstain from food for the purpose of being in the, in the presence of the Father in fellowship. Oh, we've been so bound up by religion. People thought, I didn't eat for four days. God's really going to do something in my life. No, He's not, except make it, you're going to be hungry. Your stomach will growl louder. But you see, it's not not eating food. That doesn't get God to move. Oh, Lord, didn't you see me? I didn't eat food for 24 hours. You should do something. No, that's not what's going to make God move. And then they get done and God doesn't move much. They say, well, I did. Lord, I don't understand this. 
What happened here? Well, he just didn't eat. The thing is, when you fast, you got to fast according to God's Word. Get into His presence and stay there. Absorb His beauty. Absorb His grace. Absorb His loveliness. Absorb His glory and countenance and power. Let it flow into you. That's what you're doing. You forget about food. You're concerned about it. The power of God will be flowing into you. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. That's what he's saying. It's the time we're spending in the presence of the Father and absorbing His goodness, absorbing His beauty, absorbing His loveliness, absorbing His holiness. That's what's happening. That's changing our spirit. Our spirit then, you know, it's just like love and faith are kin. You love Jesus so much that you, you want to be pure and faithful and, and He's just like a bride and a bridegroom. And you just want to be in His presence and talk with Him and love Him. And the Father, you love Him so much and, you know, He just rubs off on you. And you're in that atmosphere, that presence of His glory, and it just rubs up on you. And you just get so caught up into that, see? And before, you know, you start coming to church tonight, you're not even aware of what's going on around you. You're just, oh, I love you, Jesus. Yeah, I just bless you, Father. Oh, hallelujah, you're just, oh, you're so good in your mercy and good forever. That's the purpose of doing this. You are protecting your spirit from the doubt. Don't, that phone call that comes in, you know, a phone call can destroy your spirit. Did you know that? Someone calls. It might be somebody who, who you think really cares about you and says, What are you doing? They know your condition. And, oh, I just in the Father's prayer, just preparing myself. I'm going to go get healed tonight. Glory be to God. Oh, I don't believe it. And all of a sudden, boom! Something happens inside your spirit. And it's like, Am I really crazy? Do I really think God's going to do that for me? See, we don't want any contamination. That's why you need this time to separate yourself unto the Lord. Stay in His presence and don't answer phones. Unless it's His phone. Don't answer phones if you don't have to. Just stay in His presence. Let your spirit absorb His goodness. And then there's another thing. We better quickly run through these. We're not going to have any time. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 14. They flow together. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 30. Now here, a sound heart is the life of the flesh. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. But a broken, uh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. There are those that have encountered bone problems. But you see, because we're so medically minded, when you think of a bone disease or a bone problem, how many of you right away think of envy? Nobody. Nobody. But yet, the Bible says envy will cause rottenness in your bones. Doesn't it? If I read that correctly. But a sound... Everybody say a sound spirit. A sound spirit. 
I'm going to read that from the Amplified Bible. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, and wrath are as rottenness of the bones. See, the Bible says a broken spirit will dry up the bones. Sin and sickness are related. But a sound heart, a sound spirit, well, how does my spirit get sound? How does my spirit become calm and strengthened? How does my spirit get to a place that I know I have strength in it? that I have power in it, that it's sound, that it's calm. How do I get it like that? See, that's why over there in Isaiah, that's why you're getting in the presence of the Father. That's why all you're doing is just speaking His Word. His words have life. That's why you've gone to His presence, just to absorb His beauty. What is a sound heart? Well, the, we know one thing, that the heart is the life of the man. But love, everybody say love, is the life of the heart. Love is the life of the heart. Life is built on relationships. Relationships are built on love. The heart of man is the life of the man, and the man, his heart must live on love. Love is not envious. Love is not jealous. Love is not full of wrath. Love is not easily provoked. Love is the soundness of your heart. You want it while you're fasting this afternoon before the Lord and praying, just waiting in His presence. You want to start taking all the scriptures that talk about love. And you want to get anything, if you're holding anything in your heart against anybody, you want to eradicate it. You want to wipe it out. Get to the Father if there's any envy, if there's any, any division or jealousy. You know, some people are jealous because others get healed and some don't. Some get jealous because, Lord, you healed so-and-so and I didn't get healed. Or, Lord, you helped their marriage. You didn't help mine. They get jealous. God doesn't want us to have jealousy in the body of Christ. He doesn't want us to have jealousy inside of our spirits. The Bible says that bitterness will spring up in you. The root of bitterness springing up in you will do what? Defile you. You know what that means? That means bitterness inside your heart is just like the opposite of the life or the issues of life flowing and springing up inside your heart. If love so start talking about the Father's love for you. Oh, Father, I'm so glad you love me. Say, what do I do if I'm just waiting on the Lord this afternoon? Just say, Father, I'm so glad you love me. I'm so glad I'm your child. I love everybody in the body of Christ. I don't care what anybody has done to me. I just get it all out of me. I don't care. I'm not holding a grudge. I love people. I will not be critical. I'll not be bitter. I'll not be jealous. I'll not be envious. I get all that garbage out of me. Blessed be the Lord, I come unto you. If you have to say, I confess that sin, get it out. I don't care if you've, you've given everybody a million dollars in our church except me. Glory be to God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to worship you. I'm not jealous. I'm not, well, that's talking your language, isn't it? Someone gives everybody a million dollars except you, just one in this whole church. You might be a little bit envious. But bless God, don't, don't, don't take that attitude and say, I don't care, bless God, how, I'm going to love you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to worship you, and you love me, Father God, you love me so much. You're so concerned about my individual life, you love me, your love is outpoured unto me. And start talking about how much He loves you and how much you love Him. Let love produce a what kind of a heart? Sound. A protected heart, a sound heart, now you ready for this one? A strong heart. I haven't got time to do this, but in Isaiah 58, you look that up for yourself. Verses 1 through 5, we, we start at 6. 
first five verses, you know what it talks about? They were fasting for debate. They said, Lord, give me some knowledge so I can prove so-and-so's wrong. So that's what they wanted. They were fasting and praying for debate. Wrong purpose, wrong motive, wrong intent of heart. Oh, they were waiting on the Lord, but for the wrong reason, see. And that, that kind of reason won't do anything for you. Well, in uh, Proverbs chapter 17, let's do that real quick. Now, we better back up first. Let's, let's give this one first. Proverbs chapter 18, 14, verse 14. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. Time's gone already. Dear Lord, hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 18, real quick. First of all, we've got to have a protected heart, so protect your heart. Secondly, we've got to have a sound heart. So get your heart full of love, full of love. Love every which way. Coming in, going out. Coming in, going out. Just wallow in His love this afternoon. Wallow in His love for you. How much He loves you. How much you love people. Just full, fill your heart up with love. Make it full of God's love. Okay? Thirdly, He wants you to have a strong spirit. Here in the Amplified Bible, Proverbs 18, verse 14, it says, The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up and bear. A strong spirit. Everybody say a strong spirit. Say it again, a strong spirit. A protected spirit. A sound spirit. A strong spirit will sustain bodily trouble. A sound, strong spirit, rather, will sustain you in time of adversity in our bodies. A strong spirit. Well, how does my spirit get strong? You ready for this one? Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 28. Isaiah, chapter 40, and verse 28. Now, I'm reading to you, well, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary? There is no searching of His understanding. How many of you know that God never tires? and never gets weary. How many of you know that he never faints? Well, I'm just going to, I thought I was going to pray this afternoon, Lord, but I see you're taking a nap. I guess I won't. I'll wait. Call me when you're done. See, he's not like that. Well, I was going to ask you to do me a favor, Lord, but I can see, I can see you're taking a rest. you got your feet in the pan of water. You must have had a hard day today. No, God doesn't weary. No, God doesn't faint. No, He's not like that. Well, what about us? Well, look at the next verse. He gives power to the faint and weary. And to him who has no might, He increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it abound. Oh, I wish I could know how I did this. How does He do it? Look at verse 30. Even youths 
shall faint and be weary. You know the Bible says over there in the book of Galatians, you'll reap if you faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing. You'll reap if you faint not, if you faint not. See, the devil will get a hold of you and try to make you faint. You'll start thanking the Lord for your healing and he'll try to make you faint before you reap. Did you get that? That's a nugget. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.